we did a double bill, Anna. Mm. We went from knowing one Avenger to knowing three now. Thor from 2011 and Captain America, the first Avenger, also from 2011. They both came out the same year? They did. Okay. Interesting. Could could be could be part of the problem, maybe. Just don't bite off more than you can chew, maybe. That's maybe giving away what you thought of well, one of them yes. in particular. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, let's not get let's not give the game away. So should we start with Thor from twenty 20- 2011 as i said if we must as always quick three round trivia question one what is the name of the shield agent who has a much bigger role in this film um who we'd previously seen in iron man one and two i can't it's something beginning with c yeah that's his surname it's like mr carson or something like that close daniel carson no philip colson that's quite close it was pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Number two, give me three more Asgardian characters other than Thor. Oh, what's his name? Onin. Odin. Yep. Yeah. He's got a, a, that sort of glamorous wife. I don't know. Her name might be Petra or something. Hydra. Hydra. Uh, I don't know. Cleopatra. don't know. No. Any others you can think of? Oh, Loki. Yeah. Loki, he's one. And, oh, there's that little sort of gang that follow him around. I wasn't yeah. really keen on any of them, and I don't know what their names are. Right. I, th- I don't think I can get a third. Um, so his mum was called Frigga. <laughs> yep. Okay. I mean, that's Norse mythology. And then Sorry. the three the three you're thinking of are the Warriors Three, and their the girl was Sif. Sif. But they didn't really say the names of the other the three much. Sif, Sif, like the um, you know, like S- the S I F, like the kitchen cleaner. Yeah. Okay. Kills all known germs dead. And then question three: Jane Foster, played by Natalie Portman, was originally a nurse in the comics. What is her profession in this film? Oh, let me think. Um, she seems to be some kind of physicist. Yeah, astrophysicist. Astrophysicist, yeah. She's a sort of one-man band, isn't she? It's not particularly realistic, that, out on her own. Apart from her intern and the That's other That's true, actually, yeah. Oh, well, okay, a three-man a three man band. There's not really much acknowledgement of the um, kind of hundreds of people and sort of, you know, thousands and millions of pounds worth of research infrastructure that's needed to do, you know, research of that kind. But it is just a comic after all. Let's Let's start... What did you like about it? We might. This might be a very short section before we move into what you didn't. Oh dear. Um. Oh, well, I do. I do sort of struggle really to think of anything to say. I was to say, should we start with what you didn't like about it? Fine. Maybe. Ha- yeah. Much more comfortable terrain yeah. for me. Thought. Well, very disappointing uh, follow-on from from the Iron Man films, which. As you know, I enjoyed a lot. See, it's so silly. Um, I, I Thor himself, the character, is an absolute idiot. He's so annoying. Not just annoying, he's absolutely morally reprehensible. He basically starts a war because of his, you know, excess of testosterone. 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 I didn't mean that. Um, testosterone. That's the yeah. one. Yeah. He's very immature. Very immature young man. The whole idea that he's going to be made king is just preposterous he's got the mentality of a 14 year old boy i mean i do know that that's sort of part of the point of it but i think maybe it would maybe that would be forgivable if this 
sort of mechanism or this narrative in which so what's supposed to happen like we were just saying is that he is supposed to sort of improve himself when he goes to earth he's supposed to kind of learn and grow i guess and and then become you know improved and then he suddenly becomes worthy of of the kingdom and he can kind of take back his hammer that's been taken off him for being a being a naughty boy he's allowed he's allowed to have it back because he's become less of a prick but it's i didn't find that very believable so i think that's really there's a, so much that's annoying in it and that i didn't enjoy but i think that's the main problem i think it would have worked much better as a film if he'd had a genuine process of self-discovery or some kind of significant experience or there was some event that enabled him to kind of learn about himself i felt like that was missing and that you're just sort of supposed to believe that his friendship with this sort of insipid giggling woman is I think that I guess that's supposed to be it, isn't it is that he that it is supposed to be that he falls in love and that makes him a better person it's just too trite for me uh, yeah it's, he, it's he falls silly. in love with a mortal that kind of changes his outlook on things but yeah I, I agree I definitely found it obviously I saw it for the first time nine years ago and remembered really enjoying it and it definitely hasn't aged as well. Yeah. But I do also remember at the time having the same problem you had where Natalie Portman's character is just, she's supposed to be this super smart astrophysicist, which mm. is how it's set up. But then most of the film is her just blushing and giggling over Thor the hunk. Yeah, it's it's way too much the way she responds to him. I, I understand what the point of it is supposed to be, that there's this sort of visceral attraction between them. And even though she's a kind of, in, you know, according to the film, this intellectual person, she's o- sort of overwhelmed by this sort of impressiveness of him. But it's just quite irritating to to see her sort of simpering and get like literally giggling and fawning and also I mean that's annoying in and of itself but if that's supposed to be the basis of some spiritual enlightenment that he has that needs to be effective and convincing in order for the story arc to work I mean that's a, that's another problem with it I think if they actually had any semblance of a, a real relationship or a shared experience um, or some kind of you know genuine sort of sacrifice that one of them made for the other I, I think it would work better you weren't convinced by the journey that he went through that yes that's he it. should have changed enough yes. to be worthy yes yeah and then that kind of invalidates a lot of the other stuff as well I think it means that you you kind of can't really get on board with any of it you know this idea that you know he's good deep down and that he's actually a really you know kind of worthwhile person you sort of need that in order to understand why he's for mates kind of follow him and try and get him back rather than side with Loki his his brother at the beginning you just think I mean I know Loki is supposed to be a little bit I guess underhand sniveling a bit weak you know he's certainly less bold but I don't know maybe I'm just a bit too old and sensible but I just I completely agreed with him for for most of it really I thought Loki who was I suppose of a weak character I guess in contrast with Thor who was he's more kind of measured and boring I think he's much better so I don't really I didn't actually found it quite confusing when the his when Thor's four friends try and get him back he you know he gets banished I think well he should stay banished because he's deserved it he's an idiot he's well, he's, he's literally caused a war yeah you know? I suppose that speaks to the fact that the villain is actually fleshed out he's got this uh feeling of not fitting in and wanting his father's love so kind yes. of generates the, the plot and situation of the story to actually kind of 
ultimately feel worthy himself yes. of his father's love. I much prefer that. At the time, I remember saying I, I started to like it a bit more towards the end. And there were some things that I thought were interesting because you find out halfway through the film, we're not worrying about spoilers, are we? Well, I guess no. we're totally spoiling every film when we do this. But Loki finds out that he's actually related to the um, to those frost people, you know, the, the snow people that live in the other bit yeah, of the... the frost giants. The Frost Giants, yeah. That kind of quite significant. And that's flagged, I guess, because he looks very different. His dispositions are different and his hair colour is different and all of these things. So it kind of makes sense. You're, I guess, supposed to think that he stands out a bit in his family. And I guess you're supposed to think at certain points that he then begins to conspire against his kind of adoptive family i found that quite interesting i started to think oh this is this is kind of adopting a particular line on biological or sort of genetic you know the significance of biological or genetic connections and that um his loyalties are necessarily going to be to the people that he has these biological connections with and i liked the fact that it didn't turn out that way i found that satisfying and a plausible kind of account of why he was actually behaving the way he did because it 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 does seem quite harsh when he just turns on his whole family but i suppose in the comic book world you could you could believe something like that but i i like the idea that he was being driven by the desire to impress his father and to kind of win his affection and respect i suppose so so that, so that that story arc i found more more convincing and, I, and yeah. as i said i like loki more than than what's his name thor Thor. I almost called him Troy then. That's, that's <laughs> um, someone else. Well, while we're, while we're on the topic, was there anything else you liked about it? I like that cool road, that multicoloured road. Yeah, the Rainbow Bridge. I quite like that. I mean, I guess it's quite interesting that they're talking about wormholes and stuff. I mean, I suppose it's quite clever in a way that they brought this fantasy element in. They've obviously made a decision to make this fantasy style film and keeping it in the comic book world, but they've just about kept it believable with physics and that has yeah. actually seemed to be a theme of the the film we watched after as well and um, captain america they didn't just transfer to a kind of magical supernatural thing this is supposed to be just a remote part of our universe which is presumably has all the same laws of physics i mean unless i've got confused but that seemed to be no, I think, yeah i mean there was the point where they the scientists suggested that these kind of creatures from another planet could have visited earth the vikings in their primitive nature would have worshipped them as deities oh, that was kind of the yes, reasoning yeah. that they were saying yeah why these characters from mythology are real yeah that's quite yeah that i quite like that i quite like the principle of that of um using some kind of slightly out there physics to enable you to do more weird stuff with your your comic it was when i think of it i actually i also do, i think of it as kind of gaudy as well i think of it as gold and um purple sort of black all these different kind of colors it seemed more cartoonish than iron man and it also seemed to me to be pitched a bit lower perhaps to I don't know if it was trying deliberately trying to appeal to to children more, but I thought that parts of the script just seem, you know, when sometimes in the, the dialogue is really flagging stuff that is just really obvious. I know there's a couple of times in in the script that I thought it seems like they're you know making a, a lot of effort to you know bring everyone along with them in what is fairly simple plot structure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I was quite disappointed, having really yeah. enjoyed Iron Man, um, which felt quite, you know, I, when we talked about Iron Man, I thought that um, Pepper and Tony, that they had quite a, 
certainly in the first film quite a kind of thin relationship but actually just you know they've You've seen a worse one certainly yeah i didn't realize you could you know you, there's a lot lower you can sink let's put it that way yeah so in general the principles you're kind of on board with aliens from another dimension like another planet all that stuff it's just the actual execution of the film let down which at its heart has the the possibility of being interesting kind of yeah. material Yes, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I thought the, I, I, I suppose I quite admire the the attempt to do something different, especially after Iron Man two was so similar, I guess, to Iron Man, yeah. the first film. But um, yeah, the the implementation left a lot to be desired. So before we move on to our the second film we watched in our double bill, uh, what is your rating from zero to hundred and eighty? Oh thumbs down or thumbs up? Ooh, that's quite damning. That looks maybe. 30 degrees yeah i mean it was really quite bad yeah so that's 30 out of 180 yeah i mean i think to be honest it's lucky to get that i i would never watch that again i hope i don't even see you know two minutes of it on the (laughs) tv while i'm changing the channel to be honest the second film we watched was captain america the first avenger Mm. is its subtitle also from 2011. So, three-round trivia again. What is the name of Captain America's childhood and best friend? Bucky. There we go. Yes. So, yeah, James Buchanan, Bucky Barnes. Yes, yeah. Bucky's all you need. Um, During which war is the film set? I guess it's it's the Second World War, right? Yeah. Yeah, hang on. And then... You can tell from all the Nazis... Yep. <laughs> and then speaking of which, third question, what is the name of the Nazis' secret science division that's led by the Red Skull? Oh, uh, oh. I'll give you a clue. Oh, it sounds it's, like Hitler. Oh, oh no. Hydra. Well, Hydra. Yeah, there we go. Yes. Hydra. Hail, nice. hail Hydra, they say. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yes. So, well, that's the first out of the four films we've watched. That's the first where you've got all the questions right. Ooh. Just straight off the bat. Okay. Which I think might play to how much you enjoyed this film compared to Thor, yes, and maybe just generally. Yes, um, I I thought it was. My, I mean, it's a bit hard not to just directly compare it to Thor. Though I guess I should, you know, take it taking it as its own film and also thinking about where it fits in. You know how it how it fares as a film within the MCU. I. Thought this some of the aspirations of Thor, you might say, could be true of this. So this this is a different style of film again, I guess, to Thor and to Iron Man. It's like a kind of period drama almost, and it's got this sort of vintage vibe. It's got a lot of I like the aesthetic a lot. Um, it was quite stylish looking, um, and it was a quite more human film. I thought the the characters were much better drawn. Much, much better drawn than than Thor. They were likable. Um, I believed in the relationships between the characters, and it was interesting. I thought that they set it in in the Second World War, and you had this backdrop of you know the war against the Nazis, and um, the kind of baddies of Captain America are a subset of Nazis. So I thought that was quite a clever device to they kind of imported or kind of borrowed some of the kind of existing sort of feelings um or you know fear or sort of intimidating uh kind of appearance that you know 
Nazi uniforms and, um, you know, marching Nazis has. I thought that worked really well. I liked Captain America himself. What's his name? He's got a really normal name, doesn't he? James or something. As in the character? Yeah. Steve Rogers. Steve Rogers, yeah. I liked him a lot. I found that quite sort of authentic, like the idea that he's got this passion to serve his country and that he's kind of hindered by his kind of weaker body, I guess. I guess that's just a part of... He really wants to fight for his country and feels that it's unfair that he that other people are sacrificing their lives or risking their lives and that he can't do that you know the idea of this sort of plucky underdog who is quite likable and self-deprecate modest you know you don't often I quite liked that because when he's subsequently transformed he he keeps that demeanor I like that that he didn't become this kind of you know chest thrusting cock basically um he's he's the most modest isn't he of all the all the superheroes you know yep. thor's very annoying with it iron man i you know i really like that character but he's pretty big-headed whereas this guy is just he's like a really nice guy isn't he he's quite um unassuming and and humble yeah and i think that's a big part of the actual plot that characteristic is the reason he's picked yes to... yes go through this process of becoming a uh, peak superhuman yes that's right yeah and I liked I, I, there was I thought there were themes of you know like that, that underdog winning through and uh, and also that you know physical engagement with this idea that physical strength isn't that only valuable quality so there's this scene where they test their kind of cadets or their candidates uh, a grenade is thrown and all these kind of more beefy, strong young men kind of die for cover, whereas he, Captain America, he jumps, or before he's Captain America, he he jumps on top of the grenade to defend everyone else, which shows kind of a lot of courage and bravery and um, selflessness. So, uh, yeah, I liked that. And I liked the fact as well that, so this romance develops between Hayley Atwell's character. What's her name? Peggy Carter. Carter, yeah. Peggy Carter. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know her name was Peggy. Do they use the name Peggy? I think so. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Peggy, I think, likes him from way before he becomes a muscle man. Um, she's sort of got her eye on him, even though he's, you know, tiny. The the only thing I suppose is I think the film does like to have it both ways a little bit because even though he is an attractive and nice character that you sympathise with and like a lot and you recognise a lot of his qualities before his transformation, it did kind of feel inevitable that he would be transformed, which I think is it's a bit of a shame that it felt so inevitable that that there couldn't be a Marvel hero that just made it through the whole film as like a short skinny man mm-hmm. um i would have quite like i mean that would have been quite sub- subversive and i would have quite liked that if if he'd kind of stayed stayed short and skinny it's almost yeah. it's a, it's a bit of a shame and it's a bit the sort of fatalism to the idea that if you want to be someone that saves the world you you know you you, you can't do that as a as a yeah, small you, you need to be a beefcake yeah yeah that slightly goes against some some of the the nice things about um the film that happened earlier on but it is i mean it is a it is a comic book film after all so i i didn't have 
too much of a problem with that. It's more that I thought it was a shame rather than I thought than I found you, it offensive. You saw an opportunity to subvert subvert something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was saying to you at the time, it reminded me of well, it it didn't do the thing that the film Shrek did. I think it's in Shrek, the first film, where they have the kind of ugly ogre and the beautiful princess, and in the classic fairy tale, um, the ugly ogre or the or the toad is sort of turned into a handsome prince so that they match up whereas in shrek um it's the other way around so the beautiful princess is kind of turned into an ugly ogre so they don't need to end up you know physically perfect to be happy i suppose this i mean the the most impressive thing of all would just be that um you know people can just be whichever the way they want to be and no one has to change at all but yeah I i wasn't surprised really that um he did he did change and in Captain America it it did sort of make sense I said to you so the other thing that I guess I noticed and liked was how this this aesthetics and how stylish the film seemed it really did remind me a lot of the those Indiana Jones films especially the um Last Crusade the scariness of of the Nazis the the kind of intimidating appearance of them we also got introduced to um Tony Stark's dad as a That's young man, right. yeah, who's kind of quite integral to the plot, kind of almost like a Q, James Bond Q character. Yes, which is yeah, it's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, I did like that because it it's it's very consistent with the later films. It's it's it serves to like flesh out a character that you already know about that's that's quite a fun thing, I guess, if you're building a fantasy world. But there's other things in it as well that that made you think. It's not just the the kind of engineering side that you see passed down but his I don't know he seems like a bit of a a bit of a lad about town a bit of a playboy a bit of a playboy yeah and there's that sort of hilarious in the Iron Man films there's this kind of gross display with the women in there sort of kicking their legs around on stage and just something very similar um in Captain America which I thought was quite funny you know that was a kind of nod to the the toxic uh sort of hereditary nature of um sexist views i suppose <laughs> <laughs> but it was all it was all quite light-hearted um i like that i found it quite it was quite sad i thought the the, the ending it was it and i liked the fact that he that he did you know that he didn't just pop up again sort of 5 minutes later because i think a lot of a lot of the time in these not necessarily just comic book films but thrillers and you know save the world type films again they try and have their cake and eat it they have you know someone who is going to sacrifice themselves and they say all their goodbyes and they they sort of wring out all the emotion that they can from that situation but then somehow they've managed to survive it and there's actually nothing sad anyway so they kind of get all the the sad bit but then they have the happy ending as well on top whereas that really was the end of his relationship with Peggy and I did think that was quite sad partly because that was quite a you know that relationship assisted and grew throughout the film so I I thought that worked very well in very in very stark contrast to the previous film that last line in Times Square where he said he has he had a date is like just heartbreaking yeah, yeah, that is sad. That is sad. Yeah, there's a fine line between cloying sentimentality and stuff that is actually a bit poignant. And I, th- I thought it was good. It, it worked well because of those two characters. Because he's a nice guy, basically, and she's she's quite a serious person, kind of interesting and and strong. One of the things we thought I, d- I was quite bored in it as well. I didn't really mention that, but it wasn't. I didn't think it really kind of sucked you in and made you wonder what was going to happen. Whereas I, I did. With Captain America, I was really interested in the way 
the story was going to go. Yeah, I liked, he didn't have a very big part in it, but I absolutely love um, Toby Jones. Love him. He's mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant in it. And Tommy Lee Jones is just great. I, you know, the, the acting in this film was, was very good, I thought. It's probably the best of the ones that I've seen in terms of acting performances. I really like the relationship that Steve Rogers has with Dr. Erskine. Yes, there's a few good sort of jokes as well in the, you know, or not jokes, but sort of witty dialogue between those two and between Steve and Bucky as well. That's really important, I think, to flesh out characters. And I thought it was quite funny, you know, when they're sharing a drink and then he, you know, it's before his procedure and he says, oh, hold on, you can't you're not allowed to drink because you're having a, an operation tomorrow. And then Steve says, oh, yeah, we'll just wait till after. And he says, oh, I'm not having a procedure. I'll just have mine now. Yeah. That kind of thing was th- – those kind of moments were much more successful in this film yeah. than, than, in, than in Thor. I thought it worked well. I think the relationships, like you said, are set up in a much better way. When Bucky falls from the train, it's a lot harder hitting. Yes. And when Steve crashes the plane, all of those characters lose him and you have kind of Howard Carter's just searching for him at the end of the film. Yeah. They they feel a lot harder hitting because of how well they've set up those relationships yeah. earlier in the film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that stuff it doesn't it doesn't come for free. You have to build that with your with your your characters and your story. I mean, it probably does it works quite well for for children or people that just, you know, want some sort of big thrill. But if you want a payoff at the end of the film that is relating to something sad, you know, like a relationship ending or people being parted, then it, it's it's not going to work unless you put that effort in to start with. And I, th- I thought it was really well done. I thought it just w- worked well as a... F- if it hadn't been part of, the, of this kind of world of films as a standalone film... It would have been good on its own, I think. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was enjoyable. I quite like how potentially jumping from comic book to a film that's a bit more grounded could mm. be silly, like his costume, the name Captain America. Mm. The the way they set that up as a whole kind of propaganda thing. Yeah. But he's, he is a comic book character in the plot of the film. Yes, um, and yeah. that's how the name of Captain America appears and stuff like that. They kind of go... We know it's silly, so yeah. this is yeah. this is how we're setting it up. Yeah. So that it's not silly later on when he becomes not a propaganda kind of uh, yes. character. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. I hadn't really thought of that, but they have to find a way of making the characters seem plausible as individuals in our real world, I guess, when they're making these films. And that was yeah. quite good. And I thought that was really good as well, the fact that that was a, a, quite an interesting choice that they'd made him. So he, he has this physical transformation and, um, you know, it's like, oh, you know, like this, the science has worked. It's amazing that like he's, a the, you know, this super-duper fighting machine. But then he it, it isn't instantly converted. He ends up being appropriated as a propaganda device and doing stuff that is really not fulfilling and um you know talking to soldiers and you know in this funny um outfit that i thought that was quite interesting as well uh, as a sort of comment on the kind of machinery of of war and you know what's involved behind the scenes i enjoyed it yeah i would watch that again if it came on tv where are we going with our zero to 180 oh that's pretty good that looks like uh maybe like 135 140 yeah i would say i like it it's quite hard to pick between that and the original Iron Man film. I like both of them a lot. Genre-wise, they're very different. They're still both yes, comic book yeah. superhero films, but in terms of the genre they sit in, it's a Second World War film, whereas yeah. the first Iron Man is yeah. grounded science fiction. 
Thank you for listening to the Deptford Cinema Podcast. For more information about our current online activities, please visit our website, www.deptfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema. Deptford Cinema, the right place for film lovers. We'll bundle them together. The Thor end credit scene, can you remember it? Give me a little reminder. So we have Stellan Skarsgård kind of oh, yeah. downstairs in some bunker. Yes, yeah. That was quite creepy. I didn't really know what was going on. Because Loki, he's just been sort of blasted into, well, he's just dropped into space, looks like, even though there's no gravity in space. But anyway, he's um, sort of floating around in space and then all of a sudden he pops up in this sort of meeting room next to Stellan Skarsgård. We saw that scene and Nick Fury is showing Stellan Skarsgård's character something in a briefcase, Mm. which at that point you didn't know what it was. And then we suddenly went into the new film and you now know what that kind of glowing blue box is. Oh, yeah. We know that it's some kind of uh, cosmic, powerful device. Stuff, yeah. 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 In, In the comics, it's called the Cosmic Cube. In the films, they call it the Tesseract. And then the end credit scene of Captain America, not really a scene, more of a trailer, but we see him in modern day kind of punching a punching bag and then yeah. we have a very weird quick rapid trailer for the avengers which is our next film yes yeah tempting you know so it made me uh excited for the next one any theories about based on those two scenes which kind of are pointing towards the avengers any ideas theories on what you might be expecting i, I was very confused by the one with loki sort of hanging out there i had no idea what was going on there i'd I suspect he's up to no good, but I've got no will. Uh, I don't know. I guess they're going to use that to try and build a weapon or make a magic person that is strong enough to defeat the world or something like that. Is that right? No. I think Loki being up to something is the closest that you've got to what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, he looked he looked pretty shifty. Yeah. Um, and the Avengers. I mean, to be honest, it's, it's extremely lazy just having a. You know, just a, that kind of trailer for. I, I didn't. I thought that was a bit poor, to be honest. Just like we couldn't actually be bothered to do one. I'm really looking forward to the Avengers, and I'm just. Um, I'm. Just, I was just so relieved at the end of Thor that the next one wasn't Thor two. <laughs> well, yeah, we've um, got that to look forward to eventually. I might be. I might have a headache that day. I might. I might be washing my hair the day that we're playing Thor two. But, well, we'll get. We'll get through it, but. I'm not looking forward to it. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcasts or would like to get involved as a volunteer, please email us at info at depthfordcinema.org. Deptford Cinema.